Hello there and welcome back to the show. I'd like to talk to you about this week's sponsor. Well, the episode for this week is sponsored by Kingdoms in the Wild Publishing House. Every year, Kingdoms in the Wild sponsors an annual poetry prize. And this year, they are pleased to introduce works by Odo Tae, a breathtaking young Nigerian poet whose work explores borders, boundaries, and memory. In the winning chapbook, All of Us Are Birds and Some of Us Have Broken Wings, Odo Tae utilizes the elegy in the inquisition of identity, heritage, mental health, language, and memory. His debut chapbook is available in both ebooks and paperback versions on Amazon.com or on their website, kingdomsinthewild.com. Ojo Tai is currently living in Nigeria and you can follow him and his work on Twitter at Ojo underscore poems. And that is at OJO underscore poems. Okay, so are you ready for some details then, I guess? Let me just do the jingle and I'll, you know. I am Mosido and this is the Marcibo Podcast. want this to be a race to the bottom or mine's worse than hers because it's not but i also wouldn't it's not a competition it's a no it's not it's not it's no, a, no 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 don't even say it that way it's a, yeah exactly it's a it's no, a, no 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 I, I wouldn't think of it don't think of it that way but no 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 exactly. but it's, yeah 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 but and and because like okay oh, i'm probably going to do this out of order but just to do the ending before the beginning now it's what four years after the surgery i think about four years after the surgery and I realize how much I let the shame and the stress of the situation dictate or influence how I took, didn't take care of myself post-surgery, which may have caused other problems. 2010, 2010, 2011. Yeah, 2010. I yeah. found out, well, I've had heavy periods my whole life. I started getting my period when I was 10 years old and I had heavy period. I had cramping. I had the stereotypical, wow, I can be out in public, but this is just a really awful existence for a few days a month kind of thing. And I thought it was normal because everybody in my family had a similar experience. So I was in ibuprofen popper from early on and I just always carried it around and I would just mask it and probably ruined a good portion of my stomach lining doing all of that among other things. And so, but it was manageable until late, mid to late thirties. It just kind of started escalating. Like I was using tampons and of course you'll probably need a disclaimer at the beginning of this one. Is it toxic shock syndrome or whatnot? No, 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 no. But you know how the the tampons come in different thicknesses? Oh, yeah. 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 Shapes like, and sizes and yeah. absorbs, absorb, yeah. absorbency. Like yeah. When I, when I started using tampons, I used to buy the variety box. And at the end, I was buying just the heaviest, heaviest one, like ultra, 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 yeah. and then using a few with a pad at the same time. Like that's how bad things escalated bleeding wise. Um, but anyway, so by the time I got to my first grad school round in 2010, uh, in Arizona, I had really, really good medical insurance and I went in to get tested for all kinds of things. And that's when I first found out that I had uterine fibroids. Wait, uterine fibroids? Yeah. Yeah. What is yeah. inside or outside? Um, well, that's a really good question. I should probably know that. That's fine. What did, how big were they and was it, were they many? 
There were, at that time, there were a few, and I don't remember what they were. I do have like all the medical reports with the sizes and stuff. And she's like, this is probably why your your periods are painful. Let's keep an eye on it. And I, like I said, had really good medical insurance through the university. Yeah. Um which was a beautiful thing. And um, so we, we kept an eye on it. And every now and then I get tested and we track them and they weren't growing that fast and there weren't that many. And it wasn't life changing yet. Fast forward a few years, it escalated to the point where like every, my, the bleeding during my period had extended from like a general five or six day period, like period, not just time period, period, but like yeah, period cycle, there's a joke yeah. in there somewhere. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like periodical pain. Yeah, where the, the length of my menstruation period, there we go, had extended. Cycle. The cycle. My cycle. Yeah. Extended my bleeding time extended from five days to six, seven, eight, nine. And by the time I got to the oh, PhD program, it was heavy consistently. It was not like a day too heavy, you know, but heavy consistently. Uh, for me, day three was always the heaviest and it was like the heaviest for, I'd say at least 75% of the time. She's the least. It had gotten to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. Oh. And, and, but it started to snowball. And so, and then boom, started to see doctors. I was like, I got a regular physical. I got this done. I got that done. And her first recommendation was you either get a hysterectomy, which is what she started with. And I was like, slow the hell down. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're over-prescribed in the U.S. So I wasn't sure if that was actually something I needed or if she was just going with the, okay, we'll just do this and cut you cut it out. And I'm like, whoa. So she was like, okay, either hysterectomy. Sorry, and how old are you then? Uh, let's see, 47 now. I must have been 43. Okay. Wow, it wasn't too long ago. No, it wasn't. It was about, the surgery itself was about four years ago. Aww. So it was like, okay, go on the pill, see if uh, that can at least slow down the bleeding so that all the other symptoms are taken care of. Uh, get that thing in your arm that regu- basically stops your period. Um, oh, yeah, the um, IUDs? Yeah, or get the thing. Depo-Provera? Yes, 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 that one. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. get the one, what's the one you put internally? IUDs, the coil? Or the, that one. Yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't super confident that they would do that one right, to be honest with you. And, I was, <laughs> and the thought of that being wrong and all that's entailed with that, I was like, I can't. There's enough going on down there right now. I can't deal with <laughs> being wrong or having to redo it and going through that again and again and again. And I'm like, nah, okay, that's not The enough. trauma. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, let's, let's do the pill. That seems the least invasive and the easiest to reverse. Unfortunately, the pill did the opposite effect. And instead of... Um, helping it made me bleed more and oh, this geez. is this is the hardest part to talk about because i literally i'm saying that like you know heavy bleeding could be one of its um side effects oh it um it got to the point where i would be again when i had the period which now was almost half the month i would be like leaving classes halfway because you know grad classes are like two two yeah. and a half hours long so i would leave classes about two times each time to change the two biggest tampons I could find at the same time, plus a pad to change all of that oh, a few geez. times during, during class. Yeah. And then I, I somebody left the tap on and forgot to turn it off. Kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, and then it got worse at night and I still don't fully understand what happened here, but like clockwork, every time I would come home at night, Oh, I would no joke be sitting on the toilet, just bleeding. For hours. Was it hours. clotsy? Like the way they love clots? 
Thank you for saying that because I was like, do I want to say, talk about that? It was, I could feel. No, no, let's bring it out. Let's bring everything out. No, no, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, I would feel the blood coming out of me and I would have to sit there for hours while this was happening. What? Every night. Every night. And I was going back to the doctor often going, what is happening? This is worse than before. And so they tried to give me, I even went to the emergency room at one point. I'm like, look, I have thalassemia minor, which is, you know, a, a, a genetic blood disorder. Yeah, I have that too, but we bond on that. On that. Are you showing yeah. us sisters or something? Probably oh, somebody sure. messed up. I know, up. I think yeah. we are. I think we are. I know. But I was like, look, yeah. my ferritin level is naturally low. Losing this much blood is not a good it's thing. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the emergency room and they talked to the doctor and like the biggest thing they could come up with was to take this pill that would stop the bleeding, not just change your hormones. So it might stop, but to stop it. And I swear I took that for like four or five days and it slowed down some of the times it made days better, but the nights were still sitting down and just having it fall out of me. Oh, and yeah. So I just had to deal with that for the few weeks or whatever that was left in the semester by that point. And I just scheduled a hysterectomy because at that point they were talking about transfusions, no, and, which can get complicated. Right. And I'm just I like, know. What? cause you never know what's in there. Incompatibilities and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. So that's when I just was like, okay, I think I might actually be one of those people that a hysterectomy is a logical thing to do. Um, but, but just, I just, the, going back to the the shame thing just like literally when I would need to stay in my office at school and get stuff done I couldn't because I had to go home and sit on the toilet to have the blood literally fall out of me and yeah and sometimes I would have the laptop in there with me because I'm like well this is not going to disrupt my life that so work from home you know I'm I have a sitting lunch sorry sitting dinner night yeah I'm gonna be here for a while oh it's just but just and just Honestly, not fully understanding how all of this could be inside of me. Like the sheer volume. Exactly. Because you're, you're not like, I mean, you're petite for all intents and purposes, right? How are you losing that much blood and still being alive? Hey, yeah. How, how is this in me? How is it? Is it just like generating more as the night's going on? Like how, how is that possible that this is all in we me? We will never know. It's the mystery of the woman. Oh She's my God. Deep. It was just You'll amazing. never know. And I'm sitting there not trying, trying not to freak out because, again, it was the first semester in a new state, in a new school, in a new THD program with new doctors that were not the best doctors ever, you know? And I was just like, this, with this whole plan to move here and do this and all this, this was supposed to make things better, and it sped yeah. up the worst. It probably would have gone that way either way because, like I said, over the few years before that, it was going in that direction. Yeah, it just sped up, but it was just like, oh my god, the the shame of having to leave the classes that often and have people. Yeah. And I was like, what are people thinking? And I had to literally go to one of my professors and say, who just had a baby. Like <laughs> that was the best part. She had just had a kid a few months before, and uh, and I was like, hey, um, yeah, I've got this health problem, and <laughs> blah blah blah, and. I'm having surgery in December during break, you know, so I've been practical about this. I won't miss any class time then, but I'm having a really hard time finishing this project because I can't be, be near my desk to work on it. 
And so I had to explain all of this. And I'm sitting, I'm a very stubborn, independent person, Mo. And to have to tell all of this to someone I didn't know very well, who was yeah. in an authority figure position. I was saying that, yeah. Oh, it was so humiliating. And she was wonderful about it. She's wonderful about it. But uh, I didn't do that to my male professors. I didn't do that to... I didn't Some do that to the woman that was overseeing my teaching load, yeah. my, I guess my teaching supervisor or whatever, yeah. until right before the surgery because I wanted to let her know I wouldn't be back right away, which, yeah. by the way, didn't go over well and I had to come back right away. Oh, jeez. And what I should have done now in retrospect is put my foot down, asked for some sort of like semester off or something or... Yeah, to take care of yourself. Yeah. I should have gone and cried in somebody's office. I should have thrown some sort of fit somewhere I'll throw, I, your pad at, throw your pad at them yeah see what i have to go through yeah she yanked my pants down look at this <laughs> what do you expect me to do if a man was bleeding profusely for hours a day oh my gosh shut the country down shut the world down you know yeah. <laughs> i'm just i'm just curious though so you had your manaki attend i mean the first time you had your period was 10 and then all your symptoms like they, they got worse at 43 what happened? What do you think happened significantly that altered the, the course well, of your menstrual cycle and whatnot? After the, I, I'm not sure what made the growth of the fibroids happen, but they told me the size of them after they took them out. And they were, they were huge. They were, you know how they always do this where they compare them with fruits? Like, oh, it's the size of a grape. It's the size of a watermelon. Why do they always do that? Did, you, did they give you a picture in mind? He, um... I had a male gyno at that point and he was amazing. He was someone who I really, really liked. I'm not sure medically how, how good he was, but personality wise, he at least made me feel less. He was very matter and very human and very funny. So that would I would be, take that any day over somebody that has all the knowledge, but has a very horrible bedside manner. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I needed at the time. And he, like when I would crack jokes, he would laugh. And he was like a very friendly, nice person. Anyway, he, he used his hand and then showed me around that, oh, how big some of them were. And he gave me the measurements and I have them still. I could probably dig them up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh gosh. And after the surgery, because he did a good comparison that I could repeat and understand. Okay. And, uh, and I said it to everyone that would listen for a while. <laughs> outside of that that academic community because like people that were remote that I could talk to um I I told them a lot and the poor souls because I'm sure they didn't want to know really how these giant (laughs) things were in my uterus and now it's gone (laughs) and um but it was big it was big and there were a number of them and um and so the the pain and the bleeding apparently came from the size of the fibroids and we did the surgery I think it was like what four days after my birthday Yeah. Oh, geez. So you have your anniversary and then your birthday. (laughs) Right. But I'll never forget him moving his hand around his hands to show how big it was. And I was just like, that was where? (laughs) And I thought for sure, oh, my pants are going to be so much looser now because now this giant thing, these giant things are gone from my stomach area. No, (laughs) it's just not true. (laughs) At least the guy did his hands. Like the ones that, because I have three fibroids and they're located outside of my uterus. Yeah. And they told me it was like Clementine. So every time I look at Clementine, I was like, it's yeah. Never, well, but then, well, one of them is that. And then the other one is like, um, forget the fruit. But it was one of that fruit that I, was it a kumquat or so? They just give you this random also fruit. Like, yeah. 
I think when they What's first got diagnosed, they were the size of an almond or something. And then they just, they grew really, really, really. really and the thing is, when you take them out, sometimes they come back even with full force. Yeah. Oh, do they? Well, I don't have a uterus oh, anymore, yes. so they can't come back. Yeah, but they, that's, that's a scare with, you know, with fibroids because you never know. They, they, they're more likely to come back. It's kind of like with scar tissues and ovariances. Yeah. Yeah. You pop them out, you know, because it's like a vacuum. Something has to fill it. Yes. Either yeah. a baby or a fibroid. Yeah. And I actually have ovarian cysts too. And I, and I, because they were like, well, just to be safe, we should probably take out everything. And I'm like, oh, just to be safe. Yeah. No. I, I'm like a decade away from menopause. No, I'm holding on to them. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like, because girl, girl, I have, I've had simulation of um, pre-menopausal symptoms because really? I had to be on Lupron for a while. What is and I told my lupronism, lupronide is like a gonadotropin hormone, something basically yeah. sees every activity around your ovaries and whatnot. Oh, okay. It sends me to the brinks, brinks of hell. Jeez, always. Like my bones started aching me. My vagina was drier than the Sahara. And I started having, you know, mood swings, hot flashes. Oh my God. Like, it was like I was going through menopause. Yeah. And I had to email my, I had to text my friend. Like I have, I have this group on Facebook. I'm like, girls, hug your vagina tight. Like I've seen the future. It's not looking good. Yeah. Like no, I've seen what menopause looks like. It's not looking good. No. So and, no, you, need, you, need, you need your ovaries as long as you can hold on to them. As long as you can. Because I think like slowly getting into it, it it's, it would, it's better it, than forcing it. But overnight, even with hormones, it's going to take a while for your body to recognize those hormones because it's not your exactly. own. It's so not natural. Like, well, it's, not, it's not naturally declining. It's like, exactly. like seasoned, interrupted. And you're going yeah. to swell up. Like, I couldn't cope with the hot flashes. And it was sometime uh, in winter when I started it. Everywhere was cold. Like my blanket was cold, but I was sweating under my blanket. I'll crank down the AC to like 60s, sometimes low 50s. Yeah. I was still sweating. Oh my God. One yeah, time no. I ran the red light, never happened to me before. Cause I wasn't like, I still having foggy brain. I had to start doing yoga. I mean, look at me and yoga, like seriously. Oh yeah. So that was what happened. And then after all was said, and I did that for three months. My doctor was like, well, it actually made your symptoms worse. I'm like, I knew that already, but I was telling you, you kept putting me on these drugs. Yeah. Sometimes don't listen to you, you know, they really don't. And they were really pushing for that. Cause they're like, well, you won't have any problems at all. If you just take everything out. And I'm like, and they make it so easy. Yeah. Like, no, hands off my ovaries. I just, yeah, no, no. I'm like, is something seriously wrong? Are my cysts actually cancerous? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, well then <laughs> leave them the hell in there. Damn it. Like, but okay, here's another thing. You might understand this more than me. So, okay. So I still have my ovaries and they're still producing eggs. Where are they going? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> good question. Because if you were having your period, they would shed, you know. And yeah. I have no idea. You could be like the next uh, egg, egg donation bank. It's not like a, you know, bank hashtag. Come get your eggs, you know, question free. <laughs> Uninterrupted eggs. You can open it like a side hustle business. I have no idea. But that's a very good question. It It is. And the other thing they said is, okay, so since the uterus is gone, the ovaries are kind of free-floating. So sometimes when I went back for my post-surgery things, they're like, sometimes we might, we might not be able to locate them to check on them. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, okay. they might be behind this organ. They might get stuck behind this organ. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Are you freaking serious? You have this surgery that you do way too much. In my case, it sounds like it probably was needed, but in a lot of cases, you do it too soon. Yeah, especially to women. That, like I didn't want children, so we're good. But for w young women who you prescribe this too soon, you do this surgery, but you don't have something in place to make sure the ovaries don't get caught in organs. Oh my God, Stephanie, 
But it's yeah. just crazy. But can you imagine a male surgery? Let's let's qualify it. A male surgery where they can do the surgery, but the male whatever part of the body that is just gets caught in itself. Like, can you imagine them leaving uh, no. that to mm-hmm. not be sorted? Like, it's gonna be priority. I don't think. I think it, to me, a lot of women's health. Or let me just use that word, health, as yeah. women. I don't think they've undergone a lot of advancement. Right. Like they make it seem like it's this phantom thing. We don't know what's going on. We're just going to yeah. explore. But my life is like on hold. Yeah. You know, like yeah. right now, I, my doctors don't even know what they want to do with me. Now they're suggesting another set of surgery to remove cysts. And I'm like, but I have had what? six surgeries. Yes. You had now six they, surgeries. Well, for I've, had, I've, had, I've had one um, laparotomy, which is, you know, where they cut you open, like a CS section. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was what actually started the whole thing. Like, because... I was fine. You know, I never got sick. I just woke yeah. up one morning. I couldn't get out of bed. I was throwing mm-hmm. up a lot. And the pain just made me kill over and over. And it turned out I had an ovarian cyst that had kind of a tumor well, on, my, on my ovaries that had yeah. caused torsion. So they had to cut me open and unfurl the tumor away from you know, oh. the, the ovaries. And they left that ovary there. They should have just taken it out because oh. that you know, caused a cascade of events to where I am today. Right. So I started having to deal with you know, additions horrible scar tissues like because i had no history of surgery before then so they couldn't right. even know how because they asked you have you had to i'm like no so apparently i'm one of those subset of the population oh. that handles surgery really bad oh uh, mine was um i had to do like a hemorrhoidectum because the fluid started pushing on my bowels girl i've had one laparotomy i've had like up to five laparoscopies and then i've had to have a hemorrhoidectomy and now they're saying i have to go back again and do i don't even know what most of that is mo seriously really so my stomach pink cushion, you think I was like a drug addict because, you know, I have, because what it do, like, no, seriously, they, they puncture you and then they fill you with air and then oh. use the, the, the robotic stuff, like, yes. you know, put through and cut stuff. One of my surgeries, they opened me up and they were like, oh, they couldn't see anything. They had to close me back up because I'm like, that was so quick. They're like, they couldn't do the surgery. No. no, for real. Like they said, it was so bad. It was like somebody, it was like stranger things, like, you know, the demagogue. Like somebody poured cement in me and then closed me back up. That was how it was. Well, that's so, this, the hysterectomy I had was robotic, and they did the same thing, and I was very gassy and uncomfortable for days after. Uh, I'm, I'm still gassy. I think I'm still bloated. Even though it was like, the last surgery was about four or five years ago, I'm still gassy from there. Four so, five yeah, days I think, ago? No, 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 not days. Yes, sorry. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yes. I'm like, holy cow, you're doing good for four or five days. No, 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 no. I, I don't know. I, I'm at this point where I feel like. So another thing is also also helped me with this. Mm-hmm. I'm less likely to believe them now. Because I'm like, I'm that person that started with you guys seven years ago, eight years ago, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. You guys seem to not know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, know how far, I don't know how China is like because you live there now. But here in the U.S., it's so fragmented. And I've changed a lot of doctors since then. They don't yeah. communicate with one another. The only thing they have in common is me. And mm-hmm. I am, I mean, I won't call myself an expert, you know, in medical knowledge. But I only know so much about my, I, I know so much about everything that is going on with me. I can only tell you about the symptoms. But I don't even know all of the diagnosis. I don't know, you know, so many things. And you rely on the medical practitioner. You realize that they don't even know them as well. But then they come up with this confidence, like, we got you. But no, eight years later, I'm still here. I'm still dealing with pain. I'm still dealing with additions. I'm still dealing with being bloated. I'm dealing with so many crap. Yeah. No, the do- I, I saw one gynecologist here the first year we came back to China. And uh, how do I put this? The, the local medical practitioners have a habit of overreacting to everything, even if it's not really that abnormal. And I was still so emotionally sensitive post-surgery, like that was now two years after post-surgery. 
that when she freaked out about me having ovarian cysts, even though they're benign, when she freaked out, I freaked out. And I was like, I'm done. I took my first medical vacation in Thailand last year and had everything checked out there. And so, so that's like my alternative is I'm not dealing with them as far as that goes. With other things, there are some good doctors I found here with, for certain things. But for mm-hmm. gynecological stuff, I can't, I can't deal with somebody else's emotions. And, and, oh, and how that, that might affect. Is that supposed to emote that ev- heavily on you? Cause yeah, no, at all. That. At all. They're supposed to be the methodical ones. Yeah. And, yeah. And well, China, also, like, they, they should get medicine, right? Because, you know, ancient medicine and TCM and whatnot. No, tea's, tea's, uh, no, no, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of propaganda. TCM does have some aspects that work, just like a lot of alternative medicines, have, or natural medicines. I, I hate saying alternative because some of them are actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but that's not what we were doing. We were doing like ultrasounds and, and very modern technological uh, tests and things to take a look mm-hmm. at the little guys. And she was just freaking out. And I'm like, I can't handle you right now. <laughs> it's just, I can't, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be professional. You should give me test results and stop being weird. So you found yourself having to take care of, of her own emotions. Yeah. Uh, no. And I, I feel like she jumped straight. They jumped straight to extreme measures too. Like, uh, I know in the U.S. they do jump. They sound like Americans. I was about saying that. Yeah. Like, they jump Americans? <laughs> antibiotics too quickly and they do that here Find out where they got their medical degree from. You'll be surprised. Oh, yeah. No, it's just. It's it's be Harvard or UPenn. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and now people are trying to get into the pharmaceutical market in China because it's the biggest market in the world, right? I mean, everything mm-hmm. for everything that's the biggest market in the world. And so a, an already undeveloped medical system with, with very generally speaking, untrained, unpracticed, unskilled, not very good med- bedside men or doctors is now having like pharmaceuticals come in and try to bribe their way, which is very, very possible, bribe their way into being yeah. overprescribed to their patients. So it's just yeah. gotten worse. Oh, geez. Yeah. <sighs> All right. I think it's a good time to just let's therapize a little bit. Mm. So I, I, I mean, for me, I don't, I'm not going to exclude the possibility of having to undergo hysterectomy in, in, this, in, in, this, in, mm. in the near future because the pain, mm-hmm. the, the heavy periods, the clot, the discomfort, like sometimes you wake up, like if I'm on my period, like I have to be careful how I sleep. I don't even sleep well because I don't want to stay in the bed and having to like, you know, switch things out and wash things out. Yeah. It's just so stressful. Yeah. And, and of course that comes with a lot of stigma. Like, you know, you're still young. Why do you want to have a hysterectomy? Mm-hmm. And so he, when you chatted with me on Instagram and told me in, in the lines of hysterectomy saving your life, I have never for once had that being made in a sentence before, like hysterectomy mm-hmm. saving. Like those two words didn't seem to go together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted us, I wanted, I would like to have a world, world where women were more comfortable talking to each other about issues like this. Yeah. Like forming like micro communities around these issues talk to the woman next door, like maybe in the waiting room while you're instead of picking up that trashy mm-hmm. magazine in the, in the doctor's office yeah. or telling your barista about your neighbors or just people you find in a checkout line. Yeah. About just any woman you find should be an ally and see mm-hmm. how, they've, how they've had it. I think that's one thing we've missed, you know, um, historic, historically. Yeah. Um, and so I want to just, you know, bring somebody like you to just talk about how that's, because you, when you painted that picture of your life before the hysterectomy and your life after it sounds like it was the right thing for you to do. But we don't really get a lot of that being told, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to bring you on the show. So go ahead. 
That's the tricky thing because it is overprescribed in the U.S. and possibly other places, but that's where I was at the time. Because it's overprescribed and because so many of the women I met online that were going through this had the, the grief of not having children, and especially the women in their 20s that medically were told they needed to have a hysterectomy. Like that, yeah. that's intense. And mm-hmm. so because of these things, it was just... It's kind of. It's also kind of hard to say. Yeah, it did it did save my life? Because Mo, I know what you mean about sleeping. I had the heaviest tamp, two of the heaviest tampons in me, a pad, and then I had. Well, did you say two tampons in you? Two, two big, two ultra tampons. You put them uh, in at once? Oh yeah, not comfortable. By the way, not comfortable at all. But two of those. Oh my god. Pad. Oh, I'm not done. A pad, dark, uh, bl- dark like a uh, nightgown pants. A blanket, a garbage. I had to put a garbage bag under the blanket oh in case God. I bled through all of that because I didn't want to stain the bed. Because that's not like Alcatraz, you know, level of you know securing the bag or the vagina, and yeah. it still passed through. Yeah. Uh, no. Once I put the garbage bag down, then I would. Um, it generally worked well. Like I, I would catch everything. Then I didn't even hear the two tampons thing because one is like oh, the yeah. big chunky ones. Yes, it makes me work like you know bubble the clown. It does. Imagine having two. Yes, but the chafing. It's two and a pad. The chafing. Mm-hmm. It was bad. I was incredibly dry. At one point, one of the doctors <laughs> recommended uh, vaginal gel, and I was like, "Okay, now can we stop it's the bleeding?" Minimal for sex is for periods. <laughs> Because the blood is supposed to serve as a lubricant. Right. Right? Yeah, but it wasn't because it was just... Cloudy. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it's... Mu- yeah, no, it was bad. It was bad. And that was... And I would change them out very quickly. Like I said, during the day, those two tampons and the pad, I'd have to change out about every hour. Every hour. So can you imagine as a grad student how much money I was spending on I was about you? saying that because those things aren't cheap. No, they're not cheap at all. And let me tell you, in bumpfuck Iowa, they weren't easy to find either. I had to Amazon this shit. I had so many Amazon packages of like super intense absorbent tampons coming to me like every oh other day. Oh, oh my so gosh. I'm like, oh, oh you guys, I can't eat out this week. I have to go buy tampons. You know, have you, I won't, it's too late for you now, but I've heard about menstrual cups, but. The amount, um, the amount of, I still have to run to the bathroom so yeah. often to deal with them. And um, I don't know if they would have hold, held that amount of blood. It was and like a five liter one, like a five liter dead menstrual cup, like, you know, with a long hose that I can just attach to the toilet seat and then yeah. just have it you know, run down. I just, yeah, so this just, is what we go through people. This is what women go through. It's this is so, what we go through. so terrible. And like, I keep trying to, in my head, even now think of the equivalent male wise and I can't. And the only thing I can think of is like, okay, what's a health problem that men have that women generally don't have? And it's like prostate problems, right? What is men, when they like get to like eighties or sixties, you know? Sure. But men joke about prostate problems in mixed company. We can't even talk about, like we can't even walk exactly. down the aisle that has tampons in the grocery store with a man. Like, they, like talking about the period, like people name the period different things. Flows in town. It's dark green. Like we can't oh, even say I have my period this week. Like it's just. And you know how they make it seem? Every time they think about our period, is related to our emotions. Remember that? 
Yeah. It's like, oh, it's our time of the month. Oh, yeah. the monster is here. The yeah. in-law is visiting. It's always about, it's tied to the emotion, the premenstrual syndrome, not about the actual shit you have to go through. Excuse exactly. Exactly. And do you know what? Well, I still, I guess technically I still get my period. I just don't bleed anymore. I actually get mental clarity during my period. Like, I don't know if it's the releasing part or what, but I actually get like, like more of a no bullshit uh, thing going on and I get kind of mental clarity and there's there's a certain I, I liked that part of my period when I was bleeding because I was like okay I'm going to be able to think really well for two days when this happens kind of thing not at the end obviously but most of the time before that so I'm like okay so you're all making fun that I'm just an irrational person during my period but I actually felt more centered and grounded during yeah. it and I, and, I, and, I, and I keep saying this like it's not normal to have to to make certain things like I don't remember a time when my periods were not painful. Mm-hmm. Those are not like having pain, having cramps, and having those heavy cuts. Those are not normal symptoms. No, I don't know how I thought for the life of me that it was normal. I didn't even know how bad my period was until I had to complain no to the friend. Right, and I remember Did the first time I even struck up that conversation. Oh, it was almost like I told her to open her vagina. Let me check. Yeah. Let me examine what it looked like. That was how it felt. It was so awful talking about it. Why? Why? I don't know. I don't know. What it about happens women? every month, not even every year, every mm-hmm. month. I know. But okay, the women around you growing up, did they have painful periods too? They don't talk to me about it. I didn't even know about it. I had to ask my mom recently. And apparently she had, you know, mm. she had some. Yeah. She, didn't even, she, she wasn't very comfortable talking about it, obviously. Right. And I came through her vagina, by the way. So FYI yeah. on that. Like she, 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 no, nobody talked to me about this. The only thing that did tell me about was, and I thank God they did because my other guest, the nurse, she had nobody. She was using, like, was it leaves and, and, yeah. and, and clothes, like, you know, as, as pads and all that. My mom, you know, bought me pads and told me how to use it. And that was it. That was it. That was my job done. Yeah. Nobody told you what to expect, how to manage the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is not normal. The clothes. It wasn't until I had my ovarian cyst, you know, surgery mm-hmm. and had gone to have my, you know, my, my, my lab works done and yeah. um, the scan and all that. And I just, you know, struck up a conversation with the yeah. radiologist. I said, why did this happen? And he was like, have you had clots in your blood and your period? I'm like, yes. He was like, oh, that's, that's why. Like, that's not normal. Nobody ever told me. Even that's the doctor never told me. But no, clots are not normal. Oh. No. I still okay. confirmed it with the ONG doctor. Because the way, the way the blood is set up, there's so many anti factors in there. You shouldn't be clotting. Wow. Okay. I clotted the entire time I had my period not the whole time not the whole mention like when it's heavy because when it's heavy it's because it's pushing against stuff and that's why you, you clot more because it's heavy that's why no it wouldn't it wouldn't clot the whole time usually it was just one day where there would be some clots at the Girl. beginning at the, for the majority of it it was only towards the end that there were a lot more but I, I remember from early early on having clots occasionally and being like what the hell is this no tmi i could be laughing right now and then you know how i don't know if you remember this part of the bible like i could just feel like something come out of me like just power yeah. just left me like yes. what is that chunk and then it's like no i just changed my path like some minutes ago i have to go you know put on a new one because there's a new baby in town and oh. it's not living it's like dead blood is like yeah Okay, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question and let me know sure. if this is going too far because I know you do no. want to have children. Are you? Yeah. And you're you're debating a hysterectomy. Are would you do something with your eggs? Yeah, I'm doing. I, I still want to get you know pregnant. I still want to have a child. Right. And I'm still coping with all of this thing. So I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm seeking like someone that can listen to me. Yeah. And I feel like for me now, I've gone to a point where I feel like my doctor currently has reached that point of saturation. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like they're too familiar with you. You know. 
like oh they can't even look at you with fresh eyes yeah i would i would i would i would take an intern or a pa yeah. or just like somebody a doctor house or house yeah. or anybody yeah to just you know start from the beginning ask yeah. me questions let's put let's figure this shit together but i i can't seem to have that and i have good insurance and i pay okay. a lot of money done but because the medical system in the u.s is so inaccessible for normal people unless you're very 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 rich or very 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 connected it's hard to get super quality anytime that's, that's you so just true. need a doctor that's so true especially yeah. for for issues like you know gynecological issues because i feel like the science there's no i feel like sometimes it's not a science it's more like experimental they yeah. need a sample size to keep you know tuning it and mm-hmm. sometimes you might be the guinea pig patient number 201 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. at this stage, I mean, I'm not desperate, but I just want to have better quality of life. And and don't get to the point where you're desperate because I did that. And that's awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a few months period of my life that emotionally is just, you can see the wrinkle on my face right now, which is when I'm talking about it. Cause that, what wrinkles? I see nothing. This, I just see a pretty face right in front here. of me. This one. This now, pleasure. girl, now. Try harder. Like, I see nothing. Out so you can see the stress. Yeah. No, and I have my bi- binoculars on. I see nothing. <laughs> how, how, how are you doing now? I mean, it's been four years. How do you feel like? Do you still have the? Do you feel that sense of loss? Like, what are your emotions like? Um, they're all over the place still. I mean, the shame of having it done is not nearly as strong as immediately after. I was really, okay, for the first thirty-five years of my life. I would get like a cold in winter. Like I never had any medical problems at all. And then when I was 35, I had a stomach issue while I was traveling and a bunch of things went wrong after that. So I've been in a state of different things going wrong. I'm 47 now. So from 35 to 47 and it keeps, yeah, different things keep coming up. Oh my gosh! Like a car, like an old car. You fix yeah. something up, and something. Yeah, only I'm not even fifty yet. So it. So this was one of the things that went wrong, for that part of my life. The like, even though I technically have my ovaries and I'm still shedding eggs, for a while now, uh, more now. I I can kind of feel some fluctuations, but I don't have the cramps. I don't have the bleeding. I save tons of money on tampons, and. My ferritin levels are higher than my hematologist thought they could ever get. Because you stopped bleeding. Because mm-hmm. I stopped bleeding. And my, um, what was the other one? Hemoglobin has rebounded. Like everything's rebounded better than they ever thought I would get with the thalassemia minor that I have. So my health in that area has gotten way, 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 way better. However, the damage that I did in not addressing it sooner because of a variety of factors and i'm not i'm not whipping myself life happens things happen i did the best i could but the the depletion in so many things up leading up to that surgery you know have had their have taken their toll and there's i'm not in good physical shape things affect me pretty quickly now um my thyroid i've kind of got it under control now but i'm very sensitive and i'm in a place where there's bad pollution and um and so I'm, I'm that person that, that checks the AQI every day on my app and is like, yeah. I decide, do I stay inside today? Do I go to an inside place or can I actually be in a park today? Like I actually am that sensitive person now because of so many things, because I let it go on so long that it affected so many parts of my health. So I'm better. I'm alive. My numbers on my tests are good, but I'm definitely still kind of sensitive 
to falling to continuing falling apart. <sighs> yeah. And I think you did the best you could, could have done. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you I'm sure you saw a series of doctors in between then. Tons. And no one could like put it together. Tons. How, like, it, yeah. I mean, nobody ever go to the clinic at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you didn't show up, but you showed up. Showed up. You saw different. You had like a heterogeneous mix of people mm-hmm. and no one could, like pieced the story together. Yeah. Yeah, no, it just, I was so diligent about checking in on it and checking in on the, because I thought it was the cysts. I didn't realize it was the fibroids for a while. Like I just, I, and then it was the fibroids. I had the fibroids and the cysts and then this and then that. And then maybe the thyroid was doing it. So we were trying to fix the thyroid with medication. Only that made other things worse. And so I did, you know, I kept checking in and trying and trying and trying. And yeah, no, I, I looking at my medical reports, I'm like, I kind of doctored myself out because I'd gotten so, I'd seen so many doctors oh, yeah. trying to get so many different one. viewpoints on it. Yeah, <laughs> that I kind of was like, no, I, I need, I need a pause. And go, yeah. Again, 35 years of nothing. And then suddenly, bam, I'm going to as many doctors as possible trying to stop this from getting worse and it had to get to an extreme before I could deal with it before the insurance would deal with it because that was part of the problem is getting to a place where I had good medicine yeah the biggest barrier for me was how to talk about this in Mm. a professional setting how could I I have no regrets I did what I needed to do I did what I could do at the time but for people who might go through this in the future how do you talk to your superiors how do you talk to your bosses about health issues as a woman how do you do that in a way where you don't have to tell them how many tampons you do or how many hours you sit on the toilet bleeding? Like, how do you have those conversations and still have some of your dignity intact? Oh. I don't have the answer to that question. No, me neither. But yeah, I feel like that's part of why we sometimes let things go on too long is because it's exhausting to go through, let alone explain to somebody else who you don't want to know that much about your body. I feel like it needs to be like a code word. You know how if you're doing like dangerous sex plays and you use your danger word like stop or rabbit and then the person stops. <laughs> we need to come up with something like that in the workspace. Like there's something going on with me. Here's my code word. If I mention that, there's something going on gynecologically with me, but yeah. I cannot go into more details because I still need to look in the eye on Monday morning. Is that... Is that feeding into the culture of hiding it, though? I don't yeah. see. So I see that there's an insidious problem with that. I, I do get that point as well. Yeah. But how are we supposed to do it either ways? I don't know. I don't know. I see, I see people being uncomfortable just generally talking about, like, you know, that lady parts. Yeah. And I also see that culture of people being silenced and not talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. But I, don't know. I guess, you know, what? let's just fudge it all. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yes. Like, by the way, I'm not going to be able to come to work because I'm having heavy. Maybe let's start making them uncomfortable. We've been carrying the cross all these years. All these years. And look where, it, where, look where it's gotten us. We, we okay, and I, I, I'll just say we because I still am female even though I'm not reproducing, but we Hello? Birth, we birth the next generation. I refuse yeah. to let you talk about yourself in that way. No, you're female for all intents and purposes. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So, I mean, but, but we, we birth the next generation. We keep the species going. How we is carry it, the seed. We how bring it to is, life. Yeah, how is it the thing that makes that happen is so taboo to talk about? It's like they want the milk, but they don't want to talk about the cow. Yeah, you can't get good cheese without the cow's udders. Exactly. You need to squeeze some. 
you need to squeeze it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think I think let's let's take it back. Let's have, let's get past this awkward phase. Yeah. Talk, find a woman to talk to her, to it about. Yeah. And I think you coming on the show because I know you were a little bit you know comfortable initially and. You weren't sure because I wasn't even sure how to receive this kind of story. Yeah. Because I tell you, it was difficult for me to talk about my own because I didn't want people looking at me like, oh, she's got problems. Yeah. But I'm over that now because I don't care. Yeah. And do you know how many people have reached out to me, especially you, telling me, oh, Mo, thanks for sharing that. I'm going through that as well. Yeah. This is why it's okay to share the story because you never know who's going through it. Exactly. And part of my hesitation is because I am looking for work. I'm a little more cautious. No, I'm not cautious. I think about being more cautious online, but I'm not actually. And I don't think I will be because that's just not me anymore. It's really hard to put me back into a cautious, careful, professional box. I just don't fit yeah. in there anymore. Understandably. So was, I mean, yeah, I understand that. But like, yeah, I think I told you before, like when I even just put like a tweet about hysterectomy or like the group that online that really, the website that really helped me when I went through mine, um, history sisters who I love to death. They set up a forum where you would sign up with your surgery date and weeks before your surgery, you could start talking to people that had the same surgery date. Keep the, the, the forum open for like a good six months or a year or something. And people just eventually started to do life and they would, you know, go off. But that, Having that place to talk about it while we were all going through it was so amazing. Oh my gosh. Just like women like me. Women like me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you too. I thought I was the only one. This is the point of it. This is why we do these things. Guys. I mean, the same surgery date. So we're all going through the jitters the night before, the week before, oh, all this stuff. The day after, we're all talking about how bloated we can't walk, we can't do this. And oh, thank you for this person that helped me and that person. I mean, it was just such a beautiful idea to, um, to have that available and that's one of the things is i they have videos of women that went through surgery the women make the videos they talk about their experiences and they post them on the website and i've been meaning to do a video of my own but i feel like up to this point i would burst into tears and i don't think that's helpful for anybody during the video you don't even don't even put that pressure on yourself yeah you keep coming on here talking about it honey you've done a lot thank you this is it this is your therapizer you've talked about it and i think even though you're not getting as much from talking about it, do you know just by us talking, mm-hmm. people that this might help? Because yeah. we did raise, you, you especially, you raised some very important points. Like, one, starting time. Don't make the mistake I made. Keep yeah. knocking on doors. Find, keep being persistent. Find someone that's going to listen to you and do not leave it on the back burner. Yeah. And you were very proactive. And even when you're proactive, you see how, you know, that escalated. Mm-hmm. And I, and that is encouraging to me because I got to a point where I just felt very tired and frustrated. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep dealing with this pain. As I'm talking to you right now, my pelvis is frozen, frozen like I'm experiencing a lot of pain. And now you t- talking to you is like, I need to go find somebody to talk to, find another doctor, establish another, another um, you know, level of care with somebody else. Yeah. That is what you are doing. You're helping me with to remember that it's not normal. Go seek help. Keep yeah. knocking on those doors until somebody opens it up and talks to you. No, it's so true. It's so true. And I know that medical tourism is sort of a bridge too far for a lot of folks, but there are places in the U.S., despite our medical system being slightly broken, slightly, I think I'm being nice there, but being broken, uh, there are places that do payment plans. There are places that have certain packages where you pay a certain price and you get all of these different services. There are different things that we can do out of pocket to get to specialists that do listen and do understand. And that is something that I wasn't really, I was willing to pay money to pay for flights and 
go live in certain places and do certain things because I could see an immediate, you know, effect from that. But I wasn't willing to do that for medical stuff. And that's changed for me. And I think if I were in the U.S. now and didn't have the right medical care that I needed, I think I would start looking into other cities, other, I would get recommendations from other people. And I would, I would specifically take vacations to go to people that would deal with stuff more. This is what, this is what you are telling me now, because I haven't even thought to think that far. Mm -hmm. I thought my salvation would lie like being in the U.S., you know, the citadel of healthcare in the world and whatnot. Yeah. You just share, someone can be listening to this. Maybe they had that hunch, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anybody that he's worked for. But you're giving us, you're letting us know that we do have options. Because yeah. when you're in this kind of situations, the problem with you know being confined with this gynecological issues is you feel like you're already alone. There's a sense of otherness you're already, you know, mm-hmm. bringing to the table. Like nobody gets me. This yeah. is just you know, horrible. I don't want to scare my friends away. I'm not gonna tell anybody about it. Yeah. You're just mentioning that you do have options. You do. Because you don't really get to hear that, you know, options are not things that your doctors, you know, show you like Oh, actually, you can actually, this can get better. No, it's like, yeah. it's going to go down here from now, unless you remove your, you know, half of yeah. your breast and then a quarter of your, your pelvis. Yeah. I hate to do the comparisons, but we would never tell a man, oh, just deal with it for a little bit longer. We would never tell them that. You hear things like, you don't look like someone that is in pain. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I hate that so much. You have like, no For the level of pain you're complaining, you don't look at I wish I could just slap your face. Like, how is it supposed to look like when you're in so much pain? I don't know. Like, I'm articulating the pain level I'm having, but no. it's such a subjective concept. I get it. But so please we- do not sugar, do not sugarcoat my experience. And that's the thing. All of the health stuff I've had go wrong since I was 35 has been invisible unless you have certain equipment. I mean, my eye issue, you really have to have a certain kind of equipment to see it. And then the doctors are like, oh, yeah, it's here, 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 here. Like, you can definitely. They have no, they have no direct objective, like, uh, no. indicator. I mean, they print uh, out the thingies and I can see it then on the paper on the test. But you oh, can't God. see my actual eyes. The stomach problems I'm having, the shoulder problems I'm having now. These are all things you need expensive medical equipment to see. But people look at me and they go, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. You don't know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but just you have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> Just, yeah, oh, gosh. that you don't look like it statement. Uh, yeah, it's awful, awful, awful. And I hope the doctors that are listening to this, please be nicer, right? Show more bedside manners. Yeah. Um, I rather someone just tell me I have no idea what's going on with you, and I wouldn't want to experiment with you. Why not see somebody else? You know how much respect I have for that doctor. Then you just mm-hmm. treating people like wonders of nature, like oh wow, this is special. Let's just poke and bird, and then leave them worse off than you started with. Yeah. I get, I get it. We have to improve the body of science, but it doesn't have to be on me. Right. I mean, you I know? know doctors have their own pressures. I'm not going to pretend like their life is easy, but something's got to give because it's just, uh, yeah, there's just so many frustrating experiences to come from doctors. I'm going to, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyways, um, thank you. Yeah. I have been talking to, well, this is, this is a merciful podcast, by the way, everyone. Welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> towards the end, um, my name is Mo. I am the host, the content creator, the interlocutor of the show. And I've had the pleasure of just talking to Stephanie. I met Stephanie, I want to say, last year through Tanya Crossman, who also lives in China. Mm-hmm. And um, since I met Stephanie, we've, you know, she's, she's just been a huge, huge help and blessing to me on the show. My mic getting better and my sound quality getting better is all because of Stephanie. Knowing about Zoom is all because of Stephanie. She's put me in places where I have grown. Even when I didn't want to do it, like, was I sink or swim? 
you know, that was Stephanie. And she's, she's so sweet and compassionate and so full of joy and help. Like, she just wants to help you out. Those kind of people, very resourceful, not very common, by the way, and very given. So this is Stephanie. Um, she moved to Asia in 2003. You know, she lives in Taiwan, Malaysia, I think Singapore. Oh, no, sorry, Vietnam, Malaysia, Vietnam, Japan, yeah. and then now, yeah. Yeah, China. man, you remember that all really well. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. And she's the creative mind behind. You want to talk about your podcast a little bit as well? Oh, yeah, there's four. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, girl. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a bit of a, a shift again uh, in them, but there's four right now. Virtual expats is where, let's see if I can do this. Virtual expats is where we map a, an expat's online activities with how it cha- how that changes when they change countries. Yeah. Expats is where we use a book about the, the expats home country to talk about what they learned about the culture through the book. Changing scripts is where currently we're talking about Mandarin Chinese because I'm in China uh, and people that learn Mandarin Chinese as adults, as well as talking to people that grew up with the language so we can geek out and compare it to English and other languages. And cr- the newest one is Creatively Complicated with my co-host Summer Rylander, who is learning podcasting way faster than I ever did. Nice. Um, she superseded me on sound stuff already and it's only been seven episodes. Um, and, and there we're digging into the messiness of our creative process. So that's kind of like my therapeutic creative place with Summer, who gets to hear all of my mental dumps on struggles with creativity. And she does the same. So it's been kind of... Being a nugget of wisdom. I don't know if we're reaching wisdom yet, but we're definitely unpacking a lot of the mess. <laughs> And where can people find you, Stephanie? Yeah, right now, um, again, that's in shift. But right now, it's uh, Steph Fuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. And she's on Instagram, too. I am on Instagram. My, my Steph Fuccio is my handle absolutely everywhere, and it's also my Gmail address. Yeah. If you want to see, like, little blobs of languages, like Mandarin, if you're learning Mandarin, or just, you know, fancy um, finds she sees, you know, at the store, <laughs> uh, or just little clips of China and, you know, just things that fascinate her. Follow her on Instagram. She has a lot of, you know, informative and fun stuff. Thank you. I have a lots of weird potato chip pictures. I have an obsession with weird potato chip flavors. <laughs> anyway, know. thank you so much, Mo. This really, I feel like this helped me get more of a view and I don't want you to be going through what you're going through, but hearing other stories like yours does help me understand how widespread a lot of this stuff is. Oh, honey, I have, um, let me just think, 10 of my friends, I'll say 7 out of 10 of them have this problem. Oh, my God. Maybe not in the same degrees, but right. some overlap. You know, either the clouds heavy bleeding or just, you know, yeah. not seeing their periods regularly, having a lot of, you know, pain. There's something going on. I was going to say, there's, if it's that prevalent, there's something that's making this happen. And why they think it's it? normal. They think it's normal. We've been, we've been, we've been sold a lie that it's normal. Go yeah. through with it. This is, it just came like once a year. It's bad enough. Yeah. Every month for most of us. Every, every month. month. And if you're lucky, like one of my friends, she gets her period twice a month. Twice a month. Yes. Twice a month. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's oh my God. most months because depending on you know most months twice a month but there's like depending on the overlap like how we, when it starts but it's on most months it's twice a month it's not, not normal that's not normal at all it's not no. norm, it's not normal at all it's not well normal's a weird word it's not healthy it's not natural it's not how we're meant to be running it's not natural yes yeah. that's it it's not the, it's yeah. not 
that that lie we've been told i don't know how it even started in my head think that yeah oh, everyone went, is, is everyone goes through the same thing right no Mm-mm. no Mm-mm. no yeah and then, and then you ask a doctor like because i had to ask one on my show and he broke it down to me like no you're not supposed to have cuts you're not supposed to have right. cuts right. cuts i signed that and that's why you have this pain and it cramps because your body is trying to like flush it out. Right. So when your stuff, your vessels are like contracting mm-hmm. and so trying to force, almost like you're trying to force a chubby chubs through like a tiny pipe hole. That's right. what it's like. And that's why you have those cramps and the pain and you have those inflammation and your body's hot and you can't just even function. Just wow. I was told it was normal. Yeah. I believed it was normal. Part of me you just do. thought, you know. Everyone goes through this right now. They don't. It's not it, normal. It's it not sounds normal. like it has become normal, but that doesn't mean that's what we're our bodies were meant to do. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. But you're right. It's like it was so vital in, you know, keeping our race going. We talk about you know the sex part of it and then the kids mm-hmm. being born, but there's so many things that happen in between. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. That is just perpetrated for the course of our life until we hit menopause. Yeah, and that's our period. And it should take center state, and it shouldn't be talked about like an emotional thing. No, because for most of us, it's not just emotional. What makes it more emotional is because we have no outlet. Yes, yes, no comparison, no outlet, no no outlet. Yeah, we don't want to poke the bear. We don't want to, you know, keep that stereotype going. Oh yeah, she's being bitchy because she's on a period. No, yeah. I'm actually in a lot of pain. I can't even concentrate. Yeah, I have to show up at work. You know, wear my pants and you know, go to these meetings, but I'm in a lot of pain. If yeah. I don't get out of this chair right now, I'm going to stay everywhere and it's going to be like, ladies, just stop by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, so, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So I have someone listening to this know that, you know, go get that thing checked out. Whatever, if your story sounds like ours, even if it's just in the tiniest bit, mm-hmm. find someone to talk to. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't, don't suffer like, you know, Stephanie, you know, like, like I'm doing right now, but, it's never too late, and that's one thing I learned from Stephanie. So I'm yeah. just going to go back again and, and try things differently. Hopefully, I get answers to those questions. Yeah, and I'll send you some information. If you want to put it in the show notes, too, that's cool. Totally your choice. Oh, yeah. but Please send it to me. Yeah. Send it to me. I'm going to put it in the show notes, yeah. I, I think, I mean, uh, I do that anyway. So, But hearing that from you, and whenever you do get a chance, please send it to me. I'm going to put that there. If someone finds it useful, that's fine. I mean, even if it's just one person, I feel like my job is done. And day in turn, and please, when you hear this episode, share it with somebody else. Yes, yes. Even if you don't have that conversation with them, like, you know, sit down and talk to them about it. Just, you know, share with them, like, you know what? I don't know if you're going through this, but here. Mm-hmm. How about doing that? How about doing that? Yeah. We've, done, we've talked about the dirty parts for you, so you don't have to. So share with somebody. You talked about the dirty parts. The dirty parts. The blood of it. Anyways, so thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. you thank like you. it means a lot to me that one you you had that trust in me to open up to me, and then even say you want to come on the show when I asked about it. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I I don't take that for granted. I want to let you know that. Oh no, I know that, and I I think what you're doing is wonderful. And um, yeah, that's. And, and so, so incredibly needed. So I thank you for the, for the number. I know I'm a very expressive person on social media, but for all of those people who appreciate what you do and, and haven't reached out, I know they're out there and they're, they're getting the benefits of what you're doing. And it's just, yeah, like the people that have contacted you are a small percentage of all of the people that you're impacting. And you need to know that. Thank you. It helps. You know how this podcasting can be. Like you, oh, can, like, you can like you can like count your fans like five of them. You know them. 
But I, I want to believe that it's more. Not because I'm trying to psych myself up, but I want to just believe that it's more. So if you're right there, listen to this. Send some encouragement to your podcasters. They need to hear this sometimes. <laughs> it helps us keep going. Seriously. It does. It does. You know? yeah. And for those that, you know, people like you and my friends that reach out to me, I love that. Thank you so much. I want to say that. I appreciate every one of you, you know. But if you listen to other podcasts as well, tell your podcasters what you like about the show. Seriously. Like, yeah. just email them or just send them a DM or something. Or anonymously leave them a tip. Just something. You don't have to. Just, like, just a like on social media doesn't exactly. tell us what. I know. It's like that list. It's like, I'm just going to click on that button. I just don't get it. Like, okay, because there's usually a picture accompanying a post. And it's like, well, yeah. do you like the picture or have you actually oh, the, listened to the exactly podcast? Exactly. Like, what yeah. does that yeah. thumbs up mean? I just don't know what it means anymore. Yeah, yeah. If I could vote for something to be good enough, it's that thumbs up. Now they've even introduced it to text messages. Yeah. Like you're liking a text message, like, dude, come on, who does that? Yeah, I just so anyways, I have more yeah, issues with that, but <laughs> anyway. Anyways, guys, uh, but, so this has been to show everyone that women, let's let's talk more about these issues, you know. Let's be very vocal about them. Yeah. They're not they're not nearly as uncomfortable as you think they are. You know, because it's gonna break that culture of silence. And you made me realize that, Stephanie about how, you know, not even want to talk about it or trying to sugarcoat it, we are still perpetrating that cultural silence and shame around it. What is there to be shameful about? I know. Oh, what I forgot to say before is, on, uh, going back to the social media thing, is when I put the History Sisters thing in my Twitter feed, thanking them for having that service, mm. uh, a friend of mine, that, an online friend of mine that I met in person said to me, by the way, do you realize that you have, you know, hysterectomy in your feed? And I'm like, of course I realized that I wanted more people to know that service was there. I wanted them to, you know, to, to benefit from knowing about that website and that, that, yeah. that thing. And she's like, but don't you feel like it would blah, blah. And I don't even remember the rest of what she said, but I was like, oh, geez. why are you concerned about this? I didn't actually share pictures of a lot of stuff that was happening because I didn't take pictures <laughs> when it was happening. But I mean, it's not like it went over the edge medically. I just recommended the sites that was really if you, if you, you as a person that's had the hysterectomy, if mm-hmm. you're comfortable sharing, you got to a point where you can, you know, look at the shame and be like, okay, I want to rise above this and share yeah. this. With What's yeah. her business? Like stay in your lane, ma'am. It just, I mean, I know, I know she was trying to be protective and, and, mm, and of what? her intentions were good of my image, I guess, of, <laughs> of being too female. I don't really know. I don't know, but she's a very nice person. And I, but I think I what she's saying is something that a lot of people think, and especially that women think is that we can't share that part of ourselves. A, ton- a tonsillectomy is one thing. Uh, what's, what's another common surgery? Um, appendectomy, appendectomy is one thing. No mm. problem. You would mention that over coffee or at the, uh, no problem. You'd mention that to a stranger. Oh man, I just had this. Uh, blah, blah, blah. No problem. But to say the word hysterectomy has so much baggage to unpack. And I never think about it. Appendectomy and tonsillectomy, those are acute stuff. And you can't have this out, forever. Yeah, they're, they're taking out like, you know, taking out parts of your body. Yeah. But think about what led you to have a hysterectomy. These are chronic underlying insidious issues. Mm-hmm. They can't just go away with just you know, removing it. You still have to deal with some of the issues afterwards. Yes, absolutely. That is the more reason we need to talk about it more. Yeah. Agreed. Don't you get it, guys? Agreed. 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 And who knows? Maybe it does affect... Maybe the places I'm applying to now see that stuff in my feed and they decide that I'm, I'm too vocal or too, too emotional to hire. And you know what? That's okay. That's their luck. Yeah, you don't I, don't work really, I don't want to work for a place where I have to pretend not to be a woman. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not your, you're not the, they're not the right person for you. Exactly. And men are going to ask you about these things. Like, a lot of them can't even wrap their heads around the issues you go through. And yeah. I'm married to one, like, he's very caring and all that. 
but he still doesn't get it. Yeah. But I felt so much freedom and 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 immense relief talking to people that like females like me that have gone through this. Yeah. Because they listen, they know what it's like. Mm-hmm. 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 And that's the thing we don't we don't need to talk to people who don't who don't need to talk about it, but we don't need to hide to talk about it. I like that. I should yeah. take that. Like I don't I don't need to go on my on my Instagram and constantly be posting like little bits of the, the graphic details <laughs> of it. I don't need to do that in video no. form. Like to this. tell everybody the gory bloody details. Yeah, but, like this or WhatsApp, like find your little communities out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And there, there's, nothing, like there's nothing wrong with having breadcrumbs to lead people that need to talk about it to some place where they can. Even if you can, like, you know, help them, like, you know what, I can't handle this, but here's where you need to go. Exactly. Very true, we, Stephanie. We need Very to, true. I mean, I wouldn't want to read about somebody's prostate cancer on their Twitter either. But <laughs> if they need to post a group or they need to say, hey, who needs to talk about this? Let's go over here. That's yeah. So I just, I keep doing the male-female comparisons because I'm like, well. But that's all we have. That's yeah. how they've been comparing us. So we have to, like, reach for the low-hanging fruit here. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez, our lives. I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get the, the, when you were talking about, they keep comparing the, the ovary size or the fibroid size to fruit. I'm like, That's they do that a lot. Oranges, <laughs> grapes, watermelon. Like just, we, I have to look at fruit. Watermelon. Like, oh they've never said watermelon to me, but I can imagine they told somebody watermelon somewhere in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We the, we keep mourning about patriarchy and whatnot. Guess what? We have a lot of work to do ourselves. We, we do a lot of. This is not patriarchy. This is not patriarchy. This is asiki. You know, a lot. It was it was the the females in my family that when we had our periods were like, well, why don't you go rest? You know, why don't you have some chamomile tea? Like, take this and go <laughs> away so that the men don't see you. It's and like it's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, and again, I don't think they're, they they were doing what they knew how to do, but that kind of hide and deal with it so the rest of us don't have to, mm, no, <sighs> it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm squeezing my stress balls right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a yoga ball, so I just kind of bounce. I'm squeezing my stress ball. I don't know if you can hear it. Like, I'm just squeezing it real hard because like, I feel my, my, my neck, like the nuts are like, coming around my neck. But anyway, but yeah. So. <laughs> and girls getting their periods quickly these days, they need to know like things to watch out for. Yeah. So I mean, needs to tell them. Yeah. yeah. I was 10, which is already too soon. Uh, and now I'm, I'm hearing like eight years old, some girls. Are oh getting yeah. Eight, seven. It's hormones and what, what not. Yeah. Yeah. So young. Like how do you wrap around your. And a lot of, a lot of girls are going into early menopause now. I have a friend. She's in her thirties. She's. She's menopausal now. What? Um, I'm not kidding. <sighs> I, there's something very, very broken. Yep. I think, uh, well, I mean, there's so many layers to that. I don't want to go into those conspiracy theories, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, going well, to, I'm going to not call them conspiracy theories anymore. I'm going well, to call them theories. Our, our private parts are the canary in the coal mine. There's something happening <laughs> and nobody's listening to us, you know? <laughs> This is an indication that something's happening, but because we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to hear it. It's just, ah. Just imagine if we could map, you know, if, if we could have like, a, you know how they do like the genome project? Mm-hmm. How they could map the gene? Yeah. If we could have a project like that for female parts, like, and the issues we go through, like our period when it started, the symptoms. Yeah. And the you've had. And so that maybe people, maybe the, those are the hands of power, like the politicians and whatnot. Yeah. Because just how much problematic this is. Yeah. 
That's so true. Or the healthcare practitioners. Because we need to help them, you know, help us. But because we're not very articulate, mm-hmm. you know, in talking about these issues, mm-hmm. like maybe we've just thought, oh, that's not something I want to share because, you know, I think it's normal. No, it's not normal. Share it. I'd rather you overshare than undershare because yeah. undersharing has been killing us. It hasn't done much good for us, obviously. That's very aptly yeah. put. Yeah. 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 No, I remember as a young teenager having one of my female relatives talk about like be really grumpy when she came over one day and we're like, what's happening? She's like, oh, I just had my exam. And like her yearly exam was this horrible thing that put her in a bad mood for, for days. Like, why is that? that? (laughs) I I mean, I understand it's slightly uncomfortable, but why does it put you in that kind of mood for that long? Like why, what's happening in the doctor's office? that's that bad. Uh, did Did she tell you that? No, I was too young and too shy at that ask, point. Yeah. As if I don't have enough going there on. Go. I will start that. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, <laughs> All right everyone. You so much you've, heard, you've had so many layers of these issues, and um, I've had the pleasure of bringing Stephanie on the show. And so email me, please, if you have any questions about this, or follow me on Instagram at Mozilla. And if you want to sponsor the show, there are many ways you can you know, help to, you know, just help make the show do better things with money like providing scholarships and whatnot so check out the website on how to become a sponsor on the show thank you all for listening and i remain your host Mosilo. all right girl it's saturday morning there some say everything can be replaced yet every distance is not near so i remember every of every man who put me here I see my light come shining from the west on to the Some say every man needs protection Some say every man must fall Yet I swear I see my reflection Someplace so high above the Shall be released.